it's me, Sean Capri. I'm in my car, and you're listening to the most horsepowerful podcast on the internet. It's the Xbox Drive. I'm in a Skype call. Wait, I'm on a Skype call with my friend Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost, and we are back from E3. And maybe there's some of you who are new to the show, and this is how it starts. So, Luke, please do me a favor. Let's jump in to the Xbox Drive. Bob! Greater than X. Hello, Sean Capri. Luke Lore, the Incipit Ghost, as soon as we start recording and Skype gives out on us, doesn't it? Uh, it's just the plight of all podcasts, much less ones that we record whilst you're in your car, which, as you said, we might have some new listeners because we got to meet some incredible people while we were at E3, and we recorded an episode whilst we were there, uh, and then we guested on another podcast, and so we didn't have time to record a second episode while we were there, so we've got kind of the latter half of our experience to go through, plus all the things we've been playing since. We've got a packed show for these people. We are all, it's actually breathtaking how much we are just going to latch on to this one time we got to go to E3. And there is that one mm-hmm. thing that people kind of know us for. We're just going to, we're going to be talking about E3 for probably the next six or seven months, I think, Luke. It was a pretty surreal and incredible experience, like looking back. And I can tell you no less than probably five times a day since have I just kind of scrolled the pictures on my phone, mm-hmm. just looking back and remembering, oh, that's when we did this, or that's when we had this conversation, when we met this person, saw this game. Uh, uh, everything from from the little stuff to like finding an Airbnb to uh, sitting down and talking with people who who I genuinely think of as like, you know, uh, mental, emotional heroes for my entertainment. It was really, really neat. Uh, and as you said, it was breathtaking. It was, you know, and I, <laughs> shout out to Peter, the leader, man. He is latching onto that thing like nobody's business, but I can't really blame him. What a moment. Uh, a lot of people have, have expressed to me their jealousy that we were there for the creation of a meme, for a new internet joke for the world to love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were in the room, as, as Keanu Reeves said, the breathtaking line, and we talked about it last week, but it was really neat to see that excitement, that genuine kind of thrill that he, that he as an actor seemed to have for our I suppose to Bethesda guy. Uh, it was just neat to to see how it can go very well and very awry. Yeah, very, and in both in the same day, man. But um, I don't know. I feel like we've we've sort of talked a little bit about the conferences. There's probably other things that that we did that we we could get to this week. Absolutely. But before we do, uh, I want to tell you that in this episode, guys, I'm going to be talking about World War Z, Sniper Elite V2. Sean will talk about Lego. Uh, Horizon 4, no, it's a Forza Horizon 4 LEGO Speed Champions, The Messenger, which makes me excited, uh, and Apex Legends on PC. That's coming up along with plenty of Game Pass news. Uh, Sean, before we talk about the games we played and our conference experiences, can I run you through a bit of news? I would lo- yes, all the news, breaking news, I'll slam on the brakes, because it's a break joke, breaking uh, news. Car podcast. Oh, I get it. It's a car podcast ball. So last week, uh, after we had recorded, there was an inside Xbox uh, in which they announced that the backward compatibility program is going to be going through some changes, and we are no longer going to be seeing uh, new titles uh, kind of enter the Xbox One platform by way of backward compatibility. We won't mm-hmm. see OG Xbox or Xbox 360 games coming to Xbox One uh, until Scarlet, because that team's resources are going to be kind of shifted over but uh to satiate gamers they they gave us a slew of cell games that that weren't there they mm-hmm. are now there so the entire splinter cell pantheon of titles uh is available via xbox one now uh games like syndicate are there they gave two human uh, away for free which i thought was a very nice gesture given the the legal ramifications that come with trying to get two human licensed <laughs> uh, a, a game called Sphinx uh, and Indiana Jones is there among many others. How did you feel about hearing that the backward compatibility program would go through these changes? It seemed abrupt. It seemed like, although I don't know that I would have appreciated or needed uh, like a heads up that maybe this is about to come to an end, but it was just like, here's the last one. And um, I don't know. It, 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 there's no games left over, I don't think, that really could have given it that kind of celebratory finish that maybe would be so a little bit more fitting because this mm-hmm. is such a... Like, I was actually remembering, recalling uh, the E3 that Phil Spencer announced 360 backwards compatibility, and it was mm-hmm. that breathtaking moment. Everybody lost their minds when that mm-hmm. happened, and then as the game started to roll out, I feel like the, the excitement kind of died down, and it's just... We're so... We're so spoiled, like, mm-hmm. 
because this was a thing that wasn't supposed to be happening and then uh, it just kind of rolled out and it got less and less fanfare and then it sort of like petered out at the end so I think mm-hmm. they tried to make a bigger deal out of these last couple games than than it really is but there we got the big games to be honest and the games that we mm-hmm. were ever going to get they happened already so sure. um, I you know it wasn't going to happen forever so I guess it's I guess it's okay it's fine I thought it was a a nice ending in terms of like the slate and the the product they put out but it was kind of like when you see the kid the athlete that retires uh, but he doesn't score the goal in the last game or right. he doesn't play well uh, or he gets beat in that last fight. But but I would like to, to point out that the backward compatibility program is not dead. It's just transitioning to Scarlet, whatever that means for our future. Yeah, uh, It could be that, that these titles are being prepared for kind of a new infrastructure. It could be that uh, Scarlet emulates everything so everything would work. I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. But as you said, a number of the heavy hitters have already come to, back, to, to backward compatibility. And the stuff that like, Luke Lore is thinking about wanting to be backward compatible. No one, it doesn't blip on anyone's radar. I want the, the Star Trek Legacy game. You know, I, I want some of the old Star Wars games from OG Xbox there. And that's just, some of them just aren't going to be there. Obi-Wan's not coming. You know, it's okay that, that we got what we got as much as we did. And it was a major win for Xbox. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll see those things going forward because we've talked about forward compatibility. Well, there was a, that we'll get to this, I don't know, at one point in the order, because I'm driving and I'm not looking at, at notes, but um, the Rare Replay games, Banjo-Kazooie, Viva Pinata, a bunch of them are now uh, enhanced by Xbox One X. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably the biggest deal, and that's something that I, I look forward to seeing how that continues on as well um, mm-hmm. as we as we move on to the next generation and become accustomed to the fidelity that is empowered by all the new teraflops that will be at our disposal. It'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see them bring today's games into tomorrow with those enhancements. I almost kind of, like, am I wrong to assume that that's probably going to happen? Is that a spoiled thing to do? I don't know that it's spoiled, and I don't know that it's irrational, given yeah. that we've seen the, the free master enhanced with X approach, which will likely become standard as hardware can can kind of up-res certain things uh, just by its very nature, given that, uh, as you said, Rare Replay is coming to Game Pass on June 20th. Uh, that's a big deal because it's enhancing a number of those titles already uh, that are included there, and that 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 Rare Replay compilation was what kick-started the backward compatible program. That's right. Uh, which is Which is... A very nice turnaround, and it worth noting also that Rare, uh, as a as a brand, as a developer, as a publisher, they've they've uh, really had a nice revelation recently in that Sea of Thieves got its anniversary update and was well received. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rare Replay collection is, is now getting enhanced and hitting Game Pass, which is more people eyes on. Banjo is now in Smash. The Battletoads game that you and I thoroughly enjoyed uh, is being made by Dalala Studios, but with Rare's kind of consult. And it's nice to see that brand kind of regaining what it might have lost when Sea of Thieves launched, perhaps, or just before that. Big time. Yeah, I hope it's not a little too late. Um, But yeah, definitely, I think people are starting to notice that, yeah, man, there is a magic there. And you know what the funny thing, too, is where the old Rare employees have split off and they've done their own little projects that are sort of popping up here and there. Those are those. It's it's tricky to recapture that magic. I think even the the people who were there in the golden era of of Rare are finding it difficult to recapture that. So um, it's You're referring to to ukulele, ukulele. And there was another project. I can't remember what I think I was listening to the Nintendo Shack and they were saying something about another game Mm -hmm. popping up. Um, I can't recall. Sometimes I listen to to podcasts at two times speed, so I can't really remember these things, Luke. Um, Mm -hmm. Surely somebody listening to this will remember what I'm saying, but I think there's another game in addition to Ukulele of other members from from Rare doing their thing. Interesting. Uh, I will look for that because I am am very curious as well. Uh, I do, it's a good time to just say on the topic of Rare, I had the absolute coolest experience while we were at... um, Xbox Fan Fest in that I got to go and meet the team from Sea of Thieves and they signed a poster for me and we chatted. I told them they'd given me some of the best and worst gaming experiences of my life. <laughs> um, I, and, I, and I meant it wholeheartedly. I've been just absolutely elated with, with certain experiences in Sea of Thieves since the anniversary update and I've been so distraught at, at letting my team down or messing something up or losing treasure. Sea of Thieves has a special magic that's really hard to put into words. It's mm-hmm. more than some of its parts. But I got to meet the team and tell them that and they they were so gracious and kind, uh, and I bragged that I knew Chris Johnson, which they and they all knew Chris. They were like, "Oh, that's so cool!" And I was like, "That's right, yeah, I sailed with him. That's right, sank his boat by accident." You could sail with it anybody, happens. but he sailed with me. 
<laughs> That's right. Oh, goodness. Back on the topic of Game Pass, Resident Evil Revelations is also going to be joining Game Pass as on uh, – and that's on the Xbox. I need to say that. That's on the Xbox console. However, uh, Goat Simulator and Torment Tides of Numera, 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 is going to be hitting Xbox Game Pass – thank you, first try uh, – Xbox Game Pass <laughs> for PC. Uh, and I got to tell you, Sean, we hit this this – Really cool Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. I upgraded, you upgraded. They were very generous with their conversion rates. Um, I came home, I booted up the beta app, and it is a beta app for Game Pass for PC. And to my surprise, uh, in there for PC games, and we knew the games would be slightly different, but included was Broforce, a game Mm -hmm. I loved on PS4. Included is Broforce, now my Xbox ecosystem, and The Messenger, which I've never played, but was a mm-hmm. Switch game that I just didn't get to. And it's included in my Game Pass subscription, which I I didn't lose any money on, and I'm now good through 2022. That's crazy, man. Like, you start to get, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's what it is about the 2020s, but, like, we're not there yet. We're still 2019. So you kind of have to, like, count it out. Like, you're, you're good through 2019. You're good through 2020. You're good through 2021. Like, that's insane. Yeah. Exactly. And I've got another year code sitting on my desk that I can't redeem because you can only do so many months out. Three years, I think, is maximum, right? 36 months? Right. So I'm giving that away on Mixer when I hit 600. I love it, man. I'm starting to hear other podcasts talk about how Game Pass is actually becoming a system seller in a way. And I I completely agree. And I've got to highlight this a little bit for you, Luke. You mentioned that um, the messenger popped up for you. And I swear to God, you saved me 20 20 Canadian dollars because I was just about to go buy that on Nintendo Switch. And I was just like, slam on the brakes. I'm like, no way, Nintendo Switch. I'm getting this with my Game Pass Ultimate, which I also Mm -hmm. upgraded for a dollar. And I'm through, I'm actually good through 2021. Um, Mm -hmm. And I got to figure out what to do with some of those codes as well. But man, like what a coup this is because Xbox has really struggled, I think, for as much third-party support as they get. And we often talk about how the majority of games are available on PlayStation 4 are available on Xbox. So that argument, I think, is overblown to a certain extent. But now it's reduced even more because a lot of the games that were on PS4 as indie uh, console um, exclusives are on PC and now they're in my Xbox family. I played the Messenger with my Elite controller on my mm-hmm. PC and I I'm so happy, man. I'm I'm back at my computer playing games and I I think we have to talk about PC games now on this show. I think it's going to start happening pretty regularly. I mean, I upgraded my mouse. Uh, we were recommended by our friend Christian. I got a Steel Series mouse that I, I love. I just opened it a, few, a couple hours ago, and that's already enticing me to try out some of these tactic games. I'm looking forward to Gears Tactics, mm-hmm. and they're going to exist within my Xbox ecosystem. And again, I, I've talked to many times about how PCs frightened me for a long time. I enjoyed the simplicity of console, mm-hmm. but the reality is that's no longer a safe space. I think short of Nintendo right now, uh, first party gaming, I mean, we've, we're seeing mid-generation upgrades. We're seeing infrastructures that are, are complex, multiple subscription models. The fact that, that Game Pass Ultimate uh, has trimmed off the fat of some of their services and combined them together in an uh, economical way and then allowed us to upgrade the way we have is going to bring us into those ecosystems. If I'm getting achievements in the messenger, yeah, that's, that's, that's huge. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And compare that to uh, stadia, which we have, I still have plenty of questions about stadia. I'm not damning it to, to ruin yet, but I am down on it because what I understood was I've got to pay a subscription model to stadia, but I won't own any games there's, I'm not sure how many games or what games are available with that subscription, or am I just you paying to use a service? The fact that Xbox messaged, messaged, ha, uh, messaged, you see what I did? I got uh, it. Messaged it as well as they did. I am encouraged by that and excited. I can't, I can't wait, man. It's, you know what I did realize though, and uh, people might hate me for this. I'm starting to get a little frustrated with all the launchers on my on my PC. I'm looking at my games list. I'm like, I don't. Is this on my Xbox launchers? On my Sean Epic launchers? Capri, on my Steam launcher? <laughs> the man that hates charts and I downloading know. launchers. <laughs> and guys, can we just get? It's just one it's just, more thing. Oh, 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 I don't know if I was. I don't know if I said that stuff. But I did. I did make fun of the charts of getting confused with the charts. But you know, the the the, the launcher thing might be a thing now. I'm like, where is this in my Epic? Thing? Thing, but let's talk a little bit about um, Xbox and then I think blurring the lines between PC and Xbox, which is confusing mm-hmm. when you're looking at what are you doing to your console market. But all of a sudden mm-hmm. you look at Game Pass Ultimate for PC mm-hmm. and 
or I guess Game Pass for PC and, and Ultimate that combines it all. Now I don't care about buying games on Steam. Now I don't care about going onto the Epic Store and buying games over there, even though they've made an attraction over there. And suddenly it's like, damn, man, I t- they stole sales away from Switch because it's included in Game Pass and I can play it on my PC. Mm-hmm. And now it's stealing uh, st- um, sales away from Switch. Mm-hmm. Suddenly it doesn't look so stupid, man. It doesn't. It, and it's neat because this is this is the perspective that I think I lacked yep. a year ago. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think we've we've heard and, and I can understand the reasoning that, that people were somewhat lukewarm on yep, lukewarm. the impact of the Yeah. And the impact of this year's E3 uh, for a number of reasons, including Xbox's conference. I think the general consensus was that it was a B mm-hmm. uh, on, on the, you know, on some scale somewhere. Uh, but I think we're going to see heavier ramifications kind of go through that we didn't realize it uh, really down the line, because you're right. In, in something like the messenger that did take you away from switch bro force might have taken you away from steam might have mm-hmm. um you know there's there's a number of titles that are available in other places but now are included in something you're already paying for mm-hmm. that's a that's a big big deal um and we do have to start talking about pc on a certain level and that's frightening for some yeah uh, myself included but i think it's just a natural evolution of our gaming I'm down. Well, I think just kind of get used to moving away from your consoles in general. That's the whole na- notion of Project X Cloud and Stadia anyways, uh, that we're going to have, we still may, we'll still have our home base. And even for this podcast, like our home base will still be the console experience. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting to see us kind of explore new, new things, man. It's, it'll, be, it'll be fun. This is kind of interesting. It's new and fresh. It is. It is indeed. And I, I swore we had a uh, listener topic question that, that related to this, but perhaps not, perhaps not. Um, I will say that the, he- the other heavy part of this, this Xbox expanding themselves is that Xbox game Studios splash screens could appear on other systems as well. Yeah. And that is just one more way. They're kind of sneaking into other markets and pulling in people. And it matches what Satya Nadella and Phil Spencer so often say is that 2 billion gamers on the planet. We want to be on those screens mm-hmm. and man, it does make more sense. The more time goes on, but I mean, who knows plenty of stories to follow because this is a transition, E3, a transition year uh, and 2020 rather it's holiday are going to be very telling for, for what we're going to look for in the next decade. Yeah, man. Yeah. Exciting times. All right. Moving through uh, several games are leaving Game Pass and none, none really that I wanted to highlight uh, in, in a grand way. Yeah. Um, but let's see here. Resident Evil Revelations is being added to Game Pass. That is lovely. We talked about that. Oh, you know what, Sean? It's time for us to talk about games that we played at E3, but before we do, I would like to give a shout out to one of our good friends. Would you like to say, do you remember, do you remember this young man's name? He's, he's, a, he's a good young chap. I, I, we Mr. Met Sam? Me? Who? Sam? Sam Alf? What? Tim Alf's son? Oh, Sam, I'm sorry. I'm like, I don't know Sam's last, <laughs> of course his last name is Alf. Yes. Tim, <laughs> Tim on Nintendo Dads let us know that his son listens to both our show and our sister podcast. The, I had no idea where you're going, man. I'm like, I just try not to hit it's people okay. in the middle of the street here. I'm so sorry, Sam. Um, your dad let us know that you listen to the show. And I just want to say thank you so much, man. You can you can actually stop listening to the the PlayStation, the, the trophy room. They're they're bad for your attitude. They got bad attitudes. They're all about negativity and elitism mm-hmm. and and Sony ponies over there. We mm-hmm. are all mm-hmm. about inclusivity and positivity, and we jump over the wall for each other. I'm from Canada. Luke is from America, and it doesn't matter. You'd never know. We don't see color or nationality or anything. We play on consoles and PCs. It's all good. So I just want to give a special personalized thank you uh, to you, Sam Ulf. <laughs> And, and thank you for catching me off guard a little bit and embarrassing me. Uh, and it's all my all my fault, Luke. I didn't mean to embarrass you. <laughs> no, and and my to defend you, we met a number of amazing people. Uh, I thought we were still at E3, so I hadn't I hadn't made that jump yet. I just wanted to sneak it in there. You're good, we man. played a lot of games. We said. played a ton of games. We had uh, an incredible experience where we got uh, we have like five hours with FanFest plus two and a half, three hours with media where we got to go and just play games, talk to developers. We mentioned some of them last week, and we encourage anyone that missed last week's episode to go back and listen to our enthusiasm for HyperDot and several others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sean, one of the coolest uh, experiences I got to have was to sit down and play a game called Cyber Shadow. And this is a game much like uh, Tunic and several others made by just one person. Crazy. And it's being published by Yacht Club. 
which makes perfect sense. Yacht Club, of course, known for Shovel Knight and having retro-inspired games. Uh, and the person who's creating Cyber Shadow, one man in Finland, Yacht Club's giving him advice here and there, but it's a retro-inspired Ninja Gaiden-esque platformer that I absolutely gave our Xbox Drive approved award to. Uh, this game was super cool. You know, I'm glad that you liked it. I'm glad that you're spotlighting it a little bit because I think it has a slight challenge in that there's a lot of ninja games happening right now. Um, mm-hmm. And it has a video game-ass type of name, but mm-hmm. you throw Cyber something... Cyber Shadow. Right? Like, that's a... That, I feel like that's straight out of an arcade, like, in, in, like in the background of, of Tron or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But you were having a blast with this game, and of course, you say Yacht Club and instantly <laughs> bolsters this game. It, it, it And I think it deserves a little, like, the help that it can get through that mm-hmm. uh, that name recognition. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that you had a good time with it, man. I don't think that I got a chance to jump over that. I think I was playing some other stuff. Um, well, you were playing Tunic time. while I was playing Cyber Shadow. What did you think of Tunic? Holy crap, man. Shout out to, um, I think Donnie Reese from PSVG has some love for Tunic as well. And anybody who's seen this game and instantly fell in love with it, there was a brief moment in last year's E3 presentation that it, it graced the screens. And people know this as Zelda Fox. Uh, mm-hmm. It is. It's totally like top-down 2D type of of Zelda experience, and you play as mm-hmm. a fox, and you're walking around, and and the puzzles are exactly the same. The sword play is exactly the same as you would expect. And I got to chat with the the team working on that, and they and it had come a long way. They'd introduced new systems like a stamina system, so you can't mm-hmm. just hold your shield up or sprint around or swing your shield around all the time. So they've made some some pretty intense. Uh, progressions with the game, but it's still a ways off. Now, mm-hmm. here's what I want to say about Tunic. Where was everybody, why wasn't everybody lined up to play this game? I, I am of two minds of this in that I got to just sit there, I got to put my headphones on, and kind of just get lost in this. This was this was probably the one game that I did this. I was all by my lonesome, it was all by myself. Mm-hmm. I got my headphones on, noise canceling, I couldn't even tell where I was. I just kind of like leaned into the screen and just fell in love with this game. It's so great. I don't want to rush them because I want that everybody working on it to be very, very healthy. But mm-hmm. damn it, I cannot wait to get my hands on more Tunic, man. It was so great. I was looking over your shoulder uh, while you played that a bit uh, before I jumped on Cyber Shadow. And, and then I listened to some of your conversations with the developers there. And I think we, you you and I both kind of walked away from this entire experience noticing just how enthusiastic these people were about the art they created mm-hmm. and how excited they were to, for us to take joy in it. Uh, it, it was it was. God, I want to jump to say breathtaking, but it was genuinely just, <laughs> it was heartwarming, you know, it was, it was heartwarming. heartwarming to see. Yeah, that, that is actually a better word for it. It was, it was heartwarming. And also I think we were just like, we were new, wide eyed, bushy tailed, and we we're very energetic and enthusiastic and that might've caught people off guard as well. So I think, um, and you know what? We're, we're, we're smart and we're, we're good looking and damn it. People like us. I, I just was really grateful <laughs> for the, I don't think that's how that goes. Um, I was just grateful for the connections that we were able to make, not from like a business kind of gross networking kind of standpoint, but I really feel like we were talking to people on a different level and we did like, I don't know. I feel like we remember each other. That's, that's kind of a strange way to say it, but it was, I think we made some cool connections with people who are working their ass off for our, our entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Doing, doing that and being very much Luke and Sean while we yeah. were there Oh yeah. instead of like, we, when we had times where we, and we talked about this last week as well, where we would switch hats between being like media, uh, or, or just enthusiasts. And the reality is we exist in some nebulous space in between. Um, but really I think we kind of land more and just simply put gamers and we approached it with that attitude. We, we went in to have fun to learn and to meet people and it it felt infectious because every time I saw you get excited <laughs> I got excited and I think that went back and forth quite a bit and people people noticed it you know we we got to talk to people and they were just they were as you said confused by how excited mm-hmm. we were but then they would start to grin and smile and like I went and I was playing a game called uh, Remnant from Ashes which is it's a third person like Soulsborne style game but you've got shooting in it mm-hmm. and that is not my game. I've really tried. I really tried uh, most recently with Sekiro to try and like get into that game because they're beautiful and everyone loves them uh, supposedly, but they're difficult. And I just had a hard time with it. And the guy just looked at me and he's like, I- I- not your game. And I'm like, no, I like it. I'm just I'm stuck. And he's like, everyone knows how to shoot, man. Play it like a shooter. Wow. And I, and I was like, OK. And he because they, they've made this Soulsborne game, but they give you a gun. So you can just left trigger and shoot if you want to. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the weight was lifted and I got to to amusedly 
while I was in, suddenly weightlifted enjoying Remnant, I saw this guy just kind of like grin and open up and his the weight was lifted because mm-hmm. he was watching somebody like struggling. And I was like, oh, dude, this is tough. And he's like, just shoot. And I was like, oh, I know how to shoot things in video games. And it was a cool experience. I have so many like, man, my brain works in mysterious ways. I think about <laughs> that that picture you just painted in my head reminds me of a the penguin in Fight Club that just looks at Edward Norton and goes slide uh, or like a shaman <laughs> who just kind of like graces you with his power. It's just like it's just a shooter. And he just like removes this veil. And you're like, I see now I can see through the gate like, better. <laughs> just go. Yeah, man. Like what a freeing moment. I, and really like that's the. There's a click that happens with a lot of those Dark Souls and and Bloodborne type of experiences. Uh, Mm -hmm. Something generally clicks. And whether it's somebody telling you, do this, or if you consider this, and just kind of like makes you look at it from just a slightly different angle or remove some preconceptions of uh, other types of games or whatever it is, something is Mm -hmm. removed from your own uh, hindrance. And and then Mm -hmm. you're able to experience the beauty of the game and the systems involved. So I'm glad that happened for you, man. Yeah, it it was a a really cool moment for me. Uh, While I was at Remnant, I believe you were right behind me and playing Undermine. Undermine, I I think I talked a little bit about, and I only I only had a couple of moments with this game, but it's a it's a roguelike. Which, gosh, can we just get rid of the negative connotation? Maybe it's just me. I'm like, I hear roguelike, and I'm like, ugh. I don't like losing my progress, but I do mm-hmm. like it when the, the the things that do carry over, the, the permanent upgrades that you're able to purchase are mm-hmm. empowering and cool and, they, and they're noticeable. I think Dead Cells did a really nice job of that as well. Uh, that mm-hmm. is not completely random. I, re- I recently played a game called uh, Black Paradox, and I was really hot for that, but the permanent upgrades started to wane a little bit. This game was really mm-hmm. charming, man. I really, I didn't... I didn't love Spelunky, but I love this game. And this two are similar in that you you wander around the caves and you're just kind of you're collecting your 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 chunks of gold and that that's kind of what what's upgrading you. And it was charming. Um, I think it's coming to Game Pass as well, so I'll keep my eye out for it. But I was I was it was one of those games I would have glanced over, but I played it and I I want to play a little bit more before I offer more of a let's go on this game kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that was Undermine, again, if I didn't make that clear. That was a, a fun one for you, and while you played that also, I kind of made my way from Remnant over to Darksiders Genesis, and I found that this was my favorite Darksiders game. Dude. Because Darksiders is a game I like a lot. No, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. The games, I've never finished, but I like the Dar- Darksiders lore that goes with it. I mm-hmm. really get into that. But I just something about the gameplay, it felt dated at the times I was playing it or I wasn't in the right mood. We talked about that before. But Darksiders Genesis is a 2D kind of twin stick Diablo Ultimate Alliance-esque type game. But it's also got platforming in it and in tons of personality because you rotate between the, the heroes of Darksiders 1 and 2, War and Strife got puzzle solving i dug this game you had to think had a technical hiccup with it but i absolutely adored it yeah i had a i got stuck in a in a cave and i couldn't get out of it which is and you know these are early builds so i'm not gonna i, I don't want to dwell on that so unfortunately mm-hmm. um yeah i can't can't speak to that same that same level but those kind of games are so approachable like there's there's mm-hmm. still kind of like an arcadey kind of pick up and play and it, like you're not fighting it really mm-hmm. and if you have right. any connection to that series then i could totally see why you love this game yeah, it clicked. It clicked big time with me. I am, I am all eyes on Darksiders Genesis uh, in a way that I wasn't expecting to be. Kind of when I sat down to the controller, I was like, Ah, Darksiders three, I haven't played. I liked one and two, fine, but I didn't really get into them. Mm-hmm. And then it was just click, click, and I was in. So, uh, those right approachability is key there. One of the other things we did, I'm gonna take a break from games we played and talk about games that we kind of watched and listened to. Jedi Fallen Order, you and I had this super cool uh, moment to kind of take a breath uh, amidst our several hours worth of like playing games. Mm-hmm. We took a breath, rested our feet a bit, uh, and sat down and listened to a Q&A with one of the devs from Respawn. And we watched extended gameplay from Jedi Fallen Order. And I will guiltily admit to you, Sean Capri, I wasn't sure what to think of Fallen Order because... I love Star Wars. I was always going to buy it day one. I mean, I have lightsabers in my room right now. Love Star Wars. I almost wanted it to be uh, Force Unleashed 3. You know, I wanted that. And I kind of was just getting nervous when I watched the gameplay. I'm like, this is very Tomb Raider Uncharted. Mm -hmm. And then it's made by Respawn, who are, are not known for that kind of game. And so... I, I we got a Q and A portion, and and I was really proud of the question I got to ask. I felt very uh, 
I felt very like knowledgeable in my topic. And I asked them, well, you know, you guys are respawn. You make first person shooters. You have clout in that. Your history before being respawn is that. Why are you right to make a third person action title? And the answer we got, I thought was really incredible. Uh, the developer said very plainly, he's like, you're right. But in the whole time that we were making the Titanfalls, we were slowly building up a second team quietly to create a third-person game and a third-person action game that felt right for Star Wars. And so I was immediately excited by that news to know that this was not just the first-person clout. This was the knowledge that came with the qualities of Titanfall along with people that have made third-person action games uh, throughout their careers. Yeah, and we saw little glimpses of that third person, of like the perspective shifting from first person to the pilot and everything jumping mm-hmm. in. Like Not that you would control it necessarily, but you could mm-hmm. see them kind of toying with that a little bit. Now, Luke, I don't know if I can't remember if they mentioned this here when we were when we were in front of them or if it escaped uh, the news somewhere else. But I'm hearing that this is a Metroidvania type of game where you where you'll unlock powers and then go back to previous areas. Have you heard that? I have. In fact, it was Game Informer and several other sites that talked about uh, the fact that unshown at E3, unshown in the extended demo that you and I watched, what is that world? this game is very Metroid Prime, uh, very Arkham Arkham Asylum, for lack of a better term, rather than Uncharted, in that you have a ship that can travel from planet to planet, and missions can be done to a certain extent in orders of choice. Uh, and I found that to be mind-boggling because none of that came through in the extended gameplay trailer they show. This is one of the few gameplay-heavy se- sessions that we got in all of E3 across any conference or anything else. And we never got once got that sense. And I thought that was even more notable. Like, okay, I'm excited. You have my attention for a number of reasons, but now I'm just curious in a way that I wasn't expecting to be. Well, I'm I'm intrigued. I I love that game style, and but the negative Nancy in me is just like, come on, EA. Like that is not how you build trust. You don't hide major things about the game. So I like they're lucky, I think, in my case, because I'm stoked to hear that that's the gameplay. But there's other people who were led to believe it's a different type of game and might hear this and might be upset by this, and it just feeds into that negative rhetoric around. EA and it's frustrating because I think that they are they have really good quality games and they have potential to make even better games and their relationship with gamers is damned by stuff like this so I'm a little I was a little like peeved at the same time as being stoked (laughs) well what else is new and but that speaks to the fickle relationship developers publishers have with gamers I mean we didn't know Raiden was the main character in Metal Gear Solid 2 and he was. We didn't oh, yeah, know Keanu Reeves would be in Cyberpunk, and then he there there he's he's going to be in there with you the whole game. And so yeah, it's a different we, mislead, I, I guess. You think so? And particularly given that it's the Star Konami, Wars brand. Konami, the the mega the mega Metal Gear is is an, is a astute um, comparison for sure. Uh, but a mm-hmm. surprise like like Keanu being in the game, uh, I think is a little bit a little bit different. They they just showed mm-hmm. us and they made us believe that it was one style of game and then they kind of switched it at the end. And I think it almost, it, it seems deceptive because it's almost like they're leaning on the Star Wars thing, selling the game, and then it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what it is. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very strange. And like, what a I, choice. What they, that was a specific choice that they made to do mm-hmm. that. Now, I got to wonder why they did that. I'm also curious, we're not going to have dismemberment in the game, and it is a little bit odd to have a lightsaber that doesn't dismember, particularly Mm -hmm. given that, forgive the nerdism here, but every single Star Wars film features a limb being taken apart or taken off, Mm -hmm. like every single one of them. So the idea that that's not happening is is amusing mm-hmm. uh, and just, you know, something that's an interesting observation. I have so many questions about Fallen Order, but I'll be there day one I because it's Resound, it. because it's Star Wars, because of, uh, of the cloud of the team. And because, frankly, I really appreciated that guy's answer. He was very, very straightforward. He's like, yeah, no, that, thank you. We, we are building we are we were building a second team because we were first person people it is just interesting that it sounds a lot like in the Amy Hennig game you know i know i know you got to wonder what that was shaping up to be though you really just got to wonder maybe it was maybe it just wasn't good maybe this yeah. one was better it's possible sometimes as gamers we are quick to damn anybody that cancels something that looks good scalebound being an answer mm-hmm. you got to remember if people want to make money and if they don't think it makes money uh, that's a what shape was it in that it didn't sell somebody somewhere? Mm-hmm. Well, that's something. Um, 
I've talked about uh, a game that, or rather, I mentioned that I would be talking about Sniper Elite V2 Remastered, uh, and that's made by Rebellion. Rebellion is coming out with Zombie Army 4 Dead War sometime in 2020. I dig Rebellion games, Sean. We got to watch this title, and um, I sat down to play it for briefly at uh, at uh, E3, but then it got pulled away to an appointment. But we... When I look at Rebellion titles, I see the best of AA. I'm like, oh, that's some good, good budget gaming right there. But Zombie <laughs> Army Trilogy looks super cool. Did you? I'm sorry, Zombie Army Four looks super cool. Did you ever play the trilogy? No, man. I've, I actually have no idea what you're talking about here. Oh, that's cool. So I'm gonna power through this real quick. It's the makers of Sniper Elites, uh, Zombie Army, Strange Brigade. Uh, pure AA action is really what you're thinking. Third person action game known for their X-ray kill cams. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, Zombie Army 4 is there, and I was excited for it. I, I got to see it briefly, and that's all I'll kind of say on that for now, since I've got more to talk about with Rebellion later. May I transition you to talking about 12 minutes, good oh sir? Oh my god. I wanted to, when we were talking about how we were wearing many hats in terms of being fans or infotainment and media or whatever the heck we were, um, mm-hmm. everything kind of just like let loose when we got our behind closed doors with 12 minutes because we were we were joined um, with Marissa Roberto and Patrick Macca and Camille, um, all from the Ontario area. So it was a bunch of Canadians mm-hmm. and then Luke in this, in this demo. <laughs> and so we we get to, we get to play the game on PC. It was controlled uh, with a mouse, and Maca took control of this thing. And it was like even before we get into the game, it was so much fun being with that crew, and because they just let loose, man. And we had such a dynamic time with with that crew and the and the developers kind of walking us through. I had and they, they it, certainly it made us feel experience. welcome. Oh my god, they made no us kidding. feel very welcome. Definitely. So. Do you want to walk through kind of like how you felt walking into this game? I know I don't think you were quite as high on it either going into it or did the did the demo convince you otherwise? I'm stoked on this game, but I'm curious on your journey as well. Um so this is the type of game that I think is really really fun to play uh and then move on from. At least yeah. that's what it looks like when I we saw it on uh, or in the Xbox E3 briefing, like everybody saw 12 minutes and they saw the husband come in and, and questions abound and it's psychological thriller of some sort. Uh, but it's a point and click adventure game and you're looking top down and interesting perspectives. I was very lukewarm on it, a game that like, oh, I will definitely play that, but I'm not going to be rushing day one. The experience we had with it in trying to choose together what to do and, and the way the developer posed it, I'll let you tell that story. Um, but it certainly made me excited for it. And I think it's going to be one of those things where I, I ask my wife, who's not really a gamer, to come join me mm-hmm. and play this together for X and Y reasons. And I'll let you share about that. Well, big time. It definitely brought back some memories of when Telltale Games had choices that that mattered. And what we have found through our gameplay and then talking to other people who also had a similar experience with the behind closed doors is that there are so many permutations and combinations and outcomes that come out of this. Um, mm-hmm. The developer was walking us through and everybody's seen the trailer of uh, the husband finds out that his wife is pregnant and she she prompts her on that and she's like, how did you know? And we've had this conversation before and there's a man coming. So we kind of know what's about to happen, but we started our demo uh, a brief moment before that. And just the perspective causes so much tension in and of itself. It's claustrophobic. You don't get mm-hmm. a ton of detail and you're kind of counting on, uh, well, we we had no voiceover as well. So you're kind of having to do a little bit of the imagination yourself. And that's where things get a little bit creepy. That's that psychological thriller with it. And there are mm-hmm. so many different approaches as we walk around the apartment and discover what's in the fridge or what's in the ventilation shaft or in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the closet. And there's ways to solve this puzzle and to the puzzle is essentially discovering the right path to progress forward without getting brutally murdered or uh, arrested or whatever or murdering or do the murder by accident yeah (laughs) yeah that might have that might have been that might have been happening so we thought at one point you know because we've had a couple of resets at this point and one particular thing that was memorable for me was we thought we were on the right path we thought we had solved everything and Mm -hmm. just when we thought we were on the right path the developer goes to us and goes did you guys remember to lock the front door? And we all lost our minds. Like, oh no, run back to the front door. Like we know, cause you know, the guy is coming. And so you mm-hmm. think that you solved, you've wrapped up and, and tied everything into a nice bow with the wife and protecting yourself and getting everything arranged. And then you're like, son of a Ghana, this is, yes, you know, that guy's coming and it adds to the tension, even though like knowing should remove that tension, but it actually just mm-hmm. sometimes knowing is worse kind of thing. I right. had an absolute blast with this game. I think it's 
totally original, but a take on a very familiar format uh, in that point-and-click adventure type of thing. I mm-hmm. am so excited for 12 minutes. I I think the the experience we had with it made me far more excited than I would have expected to. Think about uh, and streaming, I would, though, man. I think it's going to be a great streaming game to play with the oh, community. That's a very good point. That's a really good point. I had not considered that aspect oh, because the, the chat can help you decide mm-hmm. what to do. Especially on Mixer, man. You got that latency-free chat and everything. Oh, Faster yes. than light. That's right. That's right. Uh, we also got to see uh, a really cool game called Minecraft Earth. Holy crap. Minecraft yeah, Earth. <laughs> now, hold on. Before anybody checks out, you you bring yourself right back here. You don't, yeah, yeah. Don't come back here. Fridge. Yeah, you come on back. <laughs> don't skip forward, man. I know what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Minecraft Earth, and we're, I, I, we were thinking the same even, thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was like, yeah, we were like, oh, okay, we're gonna go in here and see what this is. I'm not a Minecraft person. Are no. you? Just to be, just to set the stage here. Not even a little bit. Not even the Telltale games won me over. All right, so not neither you nor I are into Minecraft. We recognize it's a powerful brand, but it's not our cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go in to see this. It's essentially an AR game. Think Pokemon Go uh, in in some ways. But when you begin thinking Pokemon Go, you can't stop there. You have to to take it three, four, five steps further because this is not next gen, but it's next gen AR. At least for me, it was. Well, and you can't and- turn the AR off, which I think was a key difference that they had pointed out to me. And I'm like, oh yeah, like I often play Pokemon Go with the camera off, and I'm I'm in like cartoon Pokemon Land. But in this, it's it's Minecraft Earth. Like you are always in the real world with Minecraft embedded in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I'm I'm care- trying to be careful because I'm not sure exactly what we can and can't say. But I will point out very clearly that we played Minecraft Earth and walked away super impressed mm-hmm. at being in that world. And they were kind enough to email us pictures of us in that world, mm-hmm. in the AR world. It had the AR filter on, uh, and you can build and manipulate things in augmented reality and uh, it's always live, which is really cool and also terrifying. I it's like it's, a permanent roguelike. It's crazy, man. And it's, I think it is safe to say that if you, um, we saw the demo or they kind of like walked us through in real life with it and, and they, they had the, t- they had this table and I, m- I remember talking to the, to the developer saying like, so this is essentially what you saw with the HoloLens thing, right? And he said, yeah, like now phones are, have, have kind of moved along. So they've caught up to what HoloLens was doing back at E3 a number of years ago. And then he mm-hmm. looks at the table and he's like, this was that table. This was the table they had on stage when they first demoed um, Minecraft no with the HoloLens. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know. hear that part. Yeah, that was the same. It was the same table. It was right there. And it was a That's similar. so cool. It was a similar experience that they showed there and that they use that table as almost like a, like you building Lego virtually. And so you've got mm-hmm. like a little table set of your Minecraft building and the, you have a little farm with little pigs and, and chickens and everything. And then mm-hmm. you can hit a button and then that becomes your world. So you step mm-hmm. into or you know, it's almost like you you shrink yourself. If you can imagine mm-hmm. like a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids kind of thing, you now you're playing in this life-size play set that you can manipulate and dig down into. And it was so cool, man, just to look over in this Minecraft world and then like glance over in your direction and you're there and you're in it. It was pretty mm-hmm. surreal. I came, I was going into that thing as a huge doubter, uh, just Minecraft not being for me. But that's kind of, it felt futuristic. It felt kind of hollow deck kind of thing. It really did. And uh, I think we made that comparison whilst in there. And behind closed doors are, are something that was new to me in this setting. Like I'd done it in the soccer journalism world uh, with different interviews and things like that. But this was a new setting for me just to see how it functions. And uh, we walked away from all our behind closed door uh, moments and demos uh, encouraged by the games we saw, including Outer Worlds. Oh, my God. Yeah. The, the, the tricky thing is you're just not allowed to do the photography and video of anything, mm-hmm. but certainly being able to share. And and we've seen since E3 is finished and since we've recorded all the best of show awards that were, were left with the Outer Worlds team, which is very encouraging for Obsidian and Xbox Game Studios. Um, I th- can't remember if we did we t- I, did we discuss this last week um i it's it's a bit confusing because we discussed things that were in the microsoft briefing but not our experiences in going behind closed doors yeah they they gave us like what about a half an hour 20 minutes um of a demo we and watched a very gameplay. very yeah. complex yes yeah we did not get to play we watched them walk through a a, a quest that for me as a fan of the fallout series and uh, having never actually played new vegas i played three and, and a ton of four mm-hmm. um 
I was really wowed with the complexity of how you can approach this single quest. And for me, thinking about a, a role-playing game quest, you'd think just do this task for me and then you're going to get the XP and that's it. This mm-hmm. had so many different ways that you could approach it. And they, they walked us through a lot of if you had leveled up your character in this way, you'd probably want to do this quest in this way. But since we've done it this way and we've got these team members, then we're going to go and, and try out our... Um, I think we were, we were trying to sneak through a, a facility. A, a facility that does something. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're not <laughs> I don't to, know what can we can say. say? <laughs> exactly. Um, but we're, we were able to use our cunning to trick some people, and it only got us so far, and then we've got to use a different tactic. Very dynamic. And the last thing that I would touch on, uh, for anybody who is fans of the Dragon Age games and you really enjoy the party aspect and how um, your, your party members, the, the NPCs that tag along with you, they have their own personalities and they feel alive because they interact with each other and the characters that you run into. That mm-hmm. was also here in the Outer Worlds and that got me jazzed up as we were chatting with or as through the demo, the main character is chatting with an NPC. And then one of your party members pipes in with a with a quick whip and I was like, dang, that, that's, that makes you, that's engrossing gameplay. And I feel like I haven't seen that in a little while since Bioware was really on the top of their game. So I was encouraged mm-hmm. to see that and that's one of the reasons I came out super stoked about this one. I'm a very tertiary fan of these kind of games and and looking at the way Fallout 76 uh, was kind of given new, new new hope via the Bethesda conference and then being in the outer worlds um, uh, room with you and seeing the reception to to these games I'm very excited to see specifically with outer worlds what this does for that that Fallout Dragon Age community. Uh, I'm curious to hear how it'll rally around because it's Obsidian, it's private division, but Xbox Game Studios now functions within within that world somehow in some way. Uh, and the game, we certainly walked away encouraged. Uh, and so I'm very curious to see kind of how those hit uh, throughout the course of the year. Um, Sean, we've got a, a number of great stories to talk about, and we're going to have to trim them down just based on time as we go. Uh, we've also got some good listener questions. Which direction would you like to take the latter half of our show in? Let's do, you know what, man, we we met so many great people. I feel like the the community has done a lot for us lately. Let's do, um, let's do a couple questions, if, if you're okay with that, my friend. I would. I would, with, with the caveat that we must give a shout-out to at least one person within that group. That's All right. right, so let's go with... Uh, a, <laughs> this one's real quick. Seamus, uh, famous Seamus asks, uh, what was it like being in the same room as Keanu Reeves and him calling us plus the many people in the room breathtaking? I would say it was surreal. It was exciting. Um, and it was nice to see him having fun. I, uh, I basically almost fell over. I was so dizzy. It was so incredible. It was pretty cool. Uh, Bobo, t- Bobo Hot- uh, Hotep, Hotep, pardon me, Bobo, I apologize. Uh, but he asks on Twitter, he says, So guys, first time writer here, with the many studio acquisitions that Microsoft has made over the past year or so, do you feel that they will have what it takes to wrestle the market dominance away from Sony uh, going into the next generation? Um, and if I may, Sean, step in first, I think... The big win in this, we talked about the technology wins earlier on in, in the episode with Stadia and, and what the tech is going to be doing. But I think a lot of the win here is seeing the Xbox Game Studios splash screens that will end up on other platforms mm-hmm. and on other devices. And as far as wrestling dominance away from Sony, um, at the risk of sounding a touch fanboyish, I think we've seen Sony dominate heavily in exclusives. And in consoles sold, but that's not necessarily engagement or money made. And that's a point that Phil Spencer made in a recent mm. interview with Kotaku that they're doing Xbox is doing extremely well and their brand is doing very well. Uh, it's not just about consoles sold. They make their money off of software. So I don't know who's truly winning money made profit or whatnot. But I think as far as market dominance, there's enough room for all of them. Uh, and I don't say that to kumbaya. It's just that I think st- Xbox is making the right steps, and I haven't seen Sony make a ton of missteps moving into this this future generation. Yeah, and the the sort of like basic rule that we've we've been driven by over the years is that there the market isn't big enough for three sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's always like a Dreamcast kind of fell off the way, and there's always been this there there must only be two, but that doesn't really account for the fact that the gaming community has grown year over year over year. And maybe there is room for three now. And, and I don't know about four, maybe the new rules that there's not room for the, that Google guy to come on in here. Um, so I agree that it, it does talk, it, it requires a little bit of definition on what we mean by 
dominance and wrestling that away. My, mm-hmm. I, I wondered if what Bobo Hotep was getting at was in terms of like the quality of games that you can expect from these first party studios now in Xbox's mm-hmm. camp competing with the Naughty Dogs of the world and the Sony Santa Monica's. And I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, unfortunately. The only thing that maybe has a little bit of hope or a question mark for, for Xbox fans is the initiative. But of mm-hmm. course, like there's just money behind it at this point. There's not really any... There, it, it's, it's hugely unproven at this stage. Um, so it's just a different strategy, as you kind of discussed. And we, we, we briefly touched on this at the start, that Game Pass in and of itself is a system seller. And if there are exclusives that pour more money into Microsoft's pocket and make it all work, that starts to look more like a Netflix type of experience because we've seen kind of quantity or um, or accessibility or convenience win over mm-hmm. quality in the past where a Blu-ray player would have much better quality, but the accessibility convenience, although lesser... Uh, um, objectively lesser experience from netflix you're like these aren't even new movies and they don't mm-hmm. look as good but there's a ton of them and i can have them now like that was a winning strategy that beat out the rentals and and purchasing things so man it's a it's a different world or even mobile games that you can have that are i i would say lesser experiences in a gaming sense like you're mm-hmm. not getting as engrossing experiences on your phone but mm-hmm. they dominate revenue so mm-hmm. there's a lot going on here, man. So we'll we'll see. I feel like Microsoft is trying to cover all of its bases with this, and this just being one of the factors on how they're growing into the game, the, into the growing industry. You're right, and and Bobo Hotep might have been talking about those exclusives, uh, whether they are large or small. And that brings us to Joel Brooks' question when he asks what our impressions were of the new Battletoads game, which we got to sit down with. It's made by Delala Studios. We had a crowd cheering us on, Luke. Uh, mm-hmm. Should we talk about the speed, the speed bikes? Well, we should say it's a 2D 2D brawler, but it's got like a cartoony hand-drawn style. And we played a beat-em-up. It's a beat-em-up, and it's beautiful, and it's funny, and it's quirky, lots of abilities. But then we got to the speeder bike section. And it's uh, they, they did a perspective shift on this one. You, everybody knows the classic speeder bike from the side and going back and forth. Uh, they throw the camera behind the the uh the battle toads and there was all three of us running around so things got a little hectic but it's the same kind of fun uh but actually achievable it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of, of the uh of like donkey kong with the car uh, the damn it, what the hell are those things called in the mines and everything anyways we had a, yeah no uh, I, I don't know, know what it was That's yeah not right. no i don't know why i'm asking you about donkey kong to be honest uh i have donkey kong uh, socks on actually but oddly enough oh, look at, you. Look at that uh, we had a crowd cheering us on, man, because you just want to make it past that next checkpoint and get on to the next thing. And it was it brought me back uh, in a classic kind of way, but also new. And I think that was endemic of the entire experience. It, it's a mm-hmm. hallmark and it and it pays homage in really cool ways, but changes things just enough so you don't feel like you've played it before. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to more on Battletoads, my friend. Sean, what's your time looking like, my friend? What do we got? I've already missed family dinner. I am in so much trouble right now. It's not even funny. My whole day is an absolute disaster. But how are you? I'm doing great. Nice, I just didn't man. know if we should talk about some of the amazing people that that got us to to E3 Fan Fest uh, and then gave us some pretty incredible gifts. Yeah, man. Let's do it. Uh, we must thank Matt and the Xbox Canada team uh, for being gracious enough to allow us to to be their guests there. It is because of them that we got to go. We found out we were two of four people that were invited in that group. Uh, and Sean, I, I, I've never had an experience as, as incredible as this one that we had. Man, it was like, hopefully not once in a lifetime, but like kind of just something that everybody dreams of. It didn't seem like it was even possible. Everything mm-hmm. kind of clicked into place and a lot of people put things in place so that everything worked out for us. And then once we were there, treated us like we were like rock stars, man. I just, Mm -hmm. you know, like they're handing us things and and gifts and thank yous. And it's like, guys, like, what are you doing? You have changed our lives. So I feel like on a number of fronts, the the experience that we had, the people that we've met, the new people who are now listening to the show, everything is different now. We are now in a post Sean and Luke at E3 2019 world. And it's mm-hmm. because people really went out of their way to make it happen. And honestly, from the bottom of my heart, like it just doesn't even seem real. It feels like a like a like a dream that happened uh, in mm-hmm. real life that we we dreamt up wanting to happen. So it's kind of nuts, dude. It, it was wild. So thank you, Matt, Xbox Canada. We appreciate you. Uh, we, we've got a list of people that we did meet. I do also need to mention that Lisa Trott uh, from ID at Xbox treated us like gold. 
when we went up and, and saw her, we were so excited about her games, kind of that we were just being enthousi- enthusiastic and happy about being there. Uh, and she was kind enough, Sean, to gift us sk- skateboards uh, that we actually ended up with something even even cooler with those skateboards to go with. Well, you and I joke around a lot, right? Like We kind of mess around with each other. And so you called me at one point uh, a little later on. I <laughs> know, yes. <laughs> right? You call me and I'm like, oh, hey, Luke. And, I, and I'm pretending like I don't see you and I'm kind of just like goofing well, off. We'd and- split. We'd, we'd split right. to, for, for various reasons. And so we had to link back up. Right. So you call me up and I'm like, oh, Luke Lord. And I'm like, and I, I immediately spot you. And I don't think that you'd spotted me. And I'd locked eyes with you. And then I kept looking around like I hadn't already seen you. And you're like, mm-hmm. get over here, get over here. And I'm like, okay, Luke, like, what is it? And you're like, no, you need to get over here like right now. And I'm like, okay, this sounds pretty serious. And you you discovered a new lineup. You, you, you discovered something, a, a new thing for us to go check out. Yeah, it, hidden in the corner. Just cause I saw a real small line. It was very small line, right? Uh, and and it was because they'd snuck in Phil Spencer, and this was at the very end of the. I mean, it was like ten forty-five at night. Uh, they kind of snuck him into Fan Fest to say hello to people. Uh, this is where they were treating fans like gold. They had the cast of of Gears of War and Halo up signing autographs in another part of the theater, and you and I elected to play games instead. Um, and we just hopped in this line, and then lo and behold. Uh, we get to walk up. We, we meet Phil Spencer. We get to talk to him. Uh, he, I told him our story about how you and I had been podcasting together for a long time, but that we'd never met in person until this event and, and, and pointed out that we, uh, we appreciated Chris Munson from, from Xbox Fan Fest and Matt from Xbox Canada just getting us there. And he, he shook our hands. He laughed. He smiled with us. He was super nice. Took pictures with us. And then you had the incredible idea. You asked him to sign our custom ID at Xbox skateboards. What a like what a weird present A for us to get. What a strange thing to be carrying around. What a unique thing. Nobody like there what there are a few dozen of those maybe going around. And then mm-hmm. yeah, to make it even more special to have him grace us with a really kind of awesome signature on a really cool looking skateboard. Uh mm-hmm. he he did it with a lot of grace and um I really do appreciate that. You can only imagine all the things that people shove into his face to to sign. So hopefully he appreciated the rarity of the skateboard and and the moment. So it was it was very cool, man. We have something that honestly, like maybe we have two of the only skateboards signed by Phil Spencer, like with an ID at Xbox design on the underside. Very, very cool mm-hmm. stuff, man. Getting it home on the plane, I answered a lot of questions. Oh, and yeah. It was real awkward and frustrating, but yep, what a sure. gift. And it's in the background of, of some of the videos I've been posting on Twitter, and it's it's in it's many pictures we've posted. I'm excited for it. Uh, Sean Capri, this, that was an incredible experience. We have more to tell you guys about meeting the cast of gears and a couple other people. Uh, and that'll have to wait till next week. I do. I must, I'd be remiss not to tell you that I've been playing uh, world war Z and absolutely loving it. Sean, oh, man, uh, it's such a great game and I tried to gift it to you and we'll figure that out, but what it's a heck? great game. Didn't the code make it over the wall? You got these region lock stuff for gifts. It's crazy for gifts only. Well, you and I can get codes from, from developers, publishers, buy yeah, a game, digital, but you can't gift to Canada. So that was frustrating because I really want you to play this game. It's, it's absolutely... that NAFTA thing. If, if you I guys... I that has something to do with it. To anybody who is listening, if you like Left 4 Dead in any way, shape, or form, if you like third-person shooters, any way, shape, or form, World War Z is your jam. It is a blast. It is fun. I played it single and co-op. It's good. Um, and then I've also been playing a game made by Rebellion, who I talked about earlier in the show, Sniper Elite V2 Remastered. Uh, I got a review code for this particular game, and I streamed it start to finish uh, on, on Mixer.com slash Insipid Ghost, uh, and I put up a Ghost Games update on it, which will probably be tagged on at the end of the show. Uh, but I do want to say that this game was a really good history lesson in how far a studio can come because it's the remake of an older game. Mm-hmm. I enjoy playing it, but I would tell all of you right now, if you're interested in uh, slow motion x-ray cameras and just being uh, an incredible sniper on the battlefield, instead of going with V2 Remastered, instead go to uh, Game Pass and pick up Sniper Elite 4 because I had a blast with that game and it's a better version and playing this remaster shows me that. Nice, man. Yeah, I saw some of your clips. It looks like uh, you are more skilled in that area than I am, so that is definitely a Luke Lore-ass game for sure. Anybody can be skilled if you put it on easy. Oh, well, you look, I mean, you made it look good. 
<laughs> Thanks, man. That was, that was it. I, I love playing games on easy, man. Yeah, for sure. Oh, goodness. Uh, look forward to next week, guys. Plenty more topics to talk about from our experiences of E3 and the gaming verse. We'll probably talk about Avengers next week. I've got mm-hmm. games I'm looking forward to playing. Uh, Metro Exodus and State of Decay 2's DLC. Uh, Sean, I know you've got things on the horizon. You're probably going to want to talk some Forza as well. Definitely. Yeah, I played, uh, played a little bit more of that Lego. Actually, I played a lot more of Lego Speed Champions that we'll definitely talk about more next week. Uh, suffice to say... It's great. Everybody should play it. So, you know, you know how people just take recommendations just blindly like that, right? I do indeed. Not even describing the gameplay at all. Just go buy it. I think that's good. It's good. It's good. good. Guys, I hope you enjoyed our extended episode and I we had so much to talk about. Uh, please feel free to follow me at MLS Reserves on Twitter. Please support the things that I'm doing. It's, it, it means the absolute world that I got to do. Uh, what I've done in the past few weeks, and it's just it's tenfold times over. Thank yous to to so many others, uh, and you can follow the Xbox Drive at the Xbox Drive, uh, and that is equally important to us. Yeah, Sean? man, and we're giving away uh, Fortnite for all those kiddos out there loving and the, and the, and the grownups liking the Fortnite. We're giving away a bunch of V Bucks, so uh, stay tuned to the Xbox Drive. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean Capri, like Sean like Connor Capri, like the pants. And if you like, throw me a follow on Twitch at Twitch.tv/slash Sean Capri. I stream on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Might even be playing um, maybe a little bit of Apex Legends on PC. Oh, on PC. might might oh. happen. Might happen. Okay. Might have you happened yesterday. I was playing okay. really late yesterday. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe on Xbox too. Maybe we'll do that too. <gasps> oh, that's the end of the show.